Today, as we, uh, as we turn to God's Word, um, we have a benefit of 66 books that God has given us, a library called the Bible. And of those 66 books, four of them are books where we hear explicitly and from our Lord Jesus, his, what, he, what he did, um, the miracles he performed, and the words that he spoke. And today we get to hear directly from our Lord Jesus, so we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke in the 20th chapter, beginning at verse 27 today. And it is a tradition in the church that when we are addressed directly in God's Word by our Lord, uh, we stand. And so would you stand together as we hear directly from Jesus this morning from Luke chapter 20. Luke writes, Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for the brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, whose wife, whose wife will the woman be? For all seven had married her. And Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age but marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're seated, let us pray again. And now, Heavenly Father, we thank, you, we, we thank you for the possibility to come and to hear your word to be addressed directly by our Lord. And it is a little confusing and strange what we have heard today, but we trust that your Holy Spirit will come and illuminate and will bring it to life in our lives. Because if your Holy Spirit speaks, Lord, nothing else matters. But if your Holy Spirit does not speak, Lord, nothing else matters. And so speak to us, Lord, we pray, for we, your children, are listening. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength, and through Christ you are our salvation. Amen. Well, I'm going to be 33 in a couple of weeks. Some of you are about my age, and some of you are younger, and some of you are older, but one of the benefits I have of being the age I am is I grew up and some of you will recognize this, I grew up in the golden age of the infomercial, in the 80s and 90s. You know what I'm talking about? It was that era after cable TV brought 70 channels, or now 7,000 channels into our home. But before DVRs, we could bypass or watch shows we had recorded from the previous night. That means children, there was actually once a time where you had to watch what was on TV when it was on TV, even the commercials. It was terrible. 
But then there were some long-form commercials called infomercials, paid programming. And uh, they were all kind of the same when you think about it. I think they're still on TV too, but I, I don't know if they're as big as they used to be. They, they featured people like Ron Popeil, the inventor of everything you could need and some things you don't. Do you remember how they all went? Um, you, they, would in, they would show this product, maybe a rotisserie oven, uh, maybe a pasta maker, or a knife set or something, and they would explain all the, the interesting things it can do, and then they would say, this can be yours for four easy payments of $29.95, plus shipping and handling, which is almost as much as the whole thing, but that's neither here nor there. And so they would explain all this, and then they would say the four words, but wait, what? There's more. Right? So a second one. And I thought about that today. I thought about that today uh, because that's kind of how I feel about what Jesus is teaching us about resurrection here in Luke. Uh, Resurrection is a topic that I think a lot of us are interested in. I have found that of the things I have not preached on, probably talking about heaven, talking about eternal life, is probably the most requested uh, thing that I've ever been asked to preach about. In addition, my wife reminded me, my wife's getting me into more TV shows, and one of the shows we watch, I don't necessarily recommend it, it's terrible theologically, is a show called The Good Place. Any of you watch The Good Place? Not good theology, but it's very entertaining, right? And so we have this interest. What happens? Is this life all there is? Could it be there's more? See, right now Jesus is being uh, interrogated by some people called the Sadducees. Now, they're not the first to get a bite at the apple with Jesus. In fact, this whole period from chapter 19 through 21 is this time where Jesus has entered the city of Jerusalem. He has um, come in. He has uh, cleansed the temple, which has made everyone who's in charge mad at him. Both parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the two major parties, there were others, Essenes, Zealots, and so on, but the two major ones that were, had power were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees tried to trap him first, a story you've heard of. They said, uh, is it lawful for us to pay taxes? You've heard this one, right? They're trying to trap him. If he says, uh, Yes, it is lawful. He'll make everyone mad who, who uh, opposes Jewish occupation. If he says no, the Romans will kill him as a traitor. It's a win-win for the Pharisees. But what does Jesus say? Do you remember? Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render to God that which is God's. That kind of makes sense. But then the Sadducees come and they ask him this story and they tell this horrible, sad story about a woman who had lost not one, not two, not three, but seven husbands. Can you imagine the pain? I feel like even when I read it, when I say finally the woman also died, I feel a sense of relief for her. The sadness she must have felt. And they tell this story And they're being kind of cute about it. But what we know about the Sadducees is they said, well, you know, Moses said he could do this. So clearly Moses is not planning for afterlife. 
The only way that you're going to continue, the only way you're going to live on after this life ends is through your offspring. Through, that's why he created this kind of arrangement called leveret marriage so that you would raise up offspring for your deceased brother so his name and line could continue forever. That's as close to immortality as you can get, so said the Sadducees. But Jesus, and then Jesus gives an answer And in some ways, Jesus' answer is even less satisfactory than the question. Jesus says, you don't, says, in the resurrection, people neither marry nor are given in marriage. And in some ways, that's a tricky thing to say. I think about that because I look out and I think about many of you. I think about widows in here who've lost husbands for whom this may not be a comforting thing to think they may not be married to the person they loved in heaven. If they couldn't be with them, what would be worth going? And then on the other hand, I know people in this church who have never been married or were married once and they had a very difficult and even abusive marriage. And the idea of being eternally bound to their husband sounds more like hell than heaven. And so, I, so we see that, and it, it is somewhat a difficult question and answer for us to bear. And I've been wondering all week, Jesus, why couldn't you have given us a little clearer answer? But I think what Jesus is telling the Sadducees and tells us, that when it comes to resurrection, we can say, but wait, there's more. Because you and I, you see, you and I have a habit. When we think about eternal life and when we think about heaven, we think of it as a continuation of the way things are here. If you don't believe me, go to any funeral that ever and listen to a family member speak or a friend speak of someone who is deceased. I, I, many of you, I, I see our retired clergy, many of you have been to these where they say, well, you know, uh, old Jim is up in heaven playing golf He's fishing today, and the fish always bite. You know, he's riding his Harley, and those are good things to do on earth. Oh, don't get me wrong, but I don't think the Bible tells us that's what heaven is like. Heaven, it does not specify that heaven is a golf course, uh, that heaven is a fishing pond, uh, that heaven is an endless highway with no semi-truck traffic. I know some of you are thinking, well, if it's not, I don't know if I want to go. If there's no golf in heaven, I'll take my chance with the other place. Um, But what Jesus is saying is really simple. You can only conceive of the afterlife by the small existence that you live now. But wait, there's more. You see, the existence that you and I live today, the existence we live living after the effects of what is theologically called the fall. Look at the beginning of the Bible. We were created in Genesis 1 and 2. We were created in God's image, and part of and most of what that meant was we were created to be in relationship with God and with one another. For indeed, God created the world and spoke the world into existence and then breathed the breath of life into the dirt and created man, Adam. But unlike the other things where he had said it is good, he said it is not good that the man is alone. 
You see, because we are created in the image of God, we are like God created to be in community, to be in connection. God didn't necessarily have to create plants to be in connection, but God created us to be in connection. And so it was in Genesis 1 and 2. So it was in the garden, but then people's fear and unbelief led to disobedience and sin. For indeed, God had said, if you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. And in some way they didn't die because they didn't stop breathing, but they spiritually died. We see immediately the disconnection uh, between people, between the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, go from connection to blame. <laughs> they, I would say they go from Adam saying, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, this one is called woman, to that woman you gave me. Disconnection. Disconnection. And so what we find is that you and I, you and I all live under that power under that dominion of the fall that divides, that separates. Um, if any, none of you, um, believe me, turn on cable news for about 20 minutes. Some of you are thinking you don't need 20 seconds on cable news to know that we are divided. It doesn't matter which cable news channels, pick one. That we are divided. We are a people, and that is not just the nature of today's politics, that is the nature of our humanity as it is after the fall But you see, when God looks and sees what happened as a result of the fall, God does not say, well, that's just the way it is. See, you and I say that. You and I look around and we say, well, this is just, we'll just have to make the best of it. But see, what God says is, I desire, I yearn to be in relationship. I yearn for that reconnection. I yearn for that connection that there was in the beginning. I desire to restore. And so what does God do but sends Jesus Well, first he creates a people. First he sends them the law. First he discloses his divine purposes to them. But then, in the fullness of time, he sends Jesus. Jesus, perfectly holy. Jesus, uh, perfectly good. Jesus bearing not just the stamp of humanity, but also the stamp of divinity, perfect holiness without sin, comes into a world of sin, of disobedience, of disconnection, and when he does, the only thing we can think to do is we've got to kill him. That read the Bible. That's what they do. The, the religious leaders, I mean, gee whiz, it's not the outlaws and the scoundrels that want him dead. It's the religious leaders. Let me not talk about that too much. I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable with that all of a sudden. Um, is it warm in here? No. Uh, <laughs> um, but the religious leaders decide, no, he is a danger. He is breaking things down. He is breaking down the way we have created, the box we have built. He is breaking the walls down. And Jesus tells them, I love what he says, and when this story is told also in Matthew and Mark, and I'll give you a hint, when the story about Jesus is told in three of the Gospels, pay attention, the early church, and not to mention God, thinks it's important. Jesus says, you do not know the power of God, nor do you know the Scriptures. 
You see, they read the scripture and they had their own interpretation, but they did not understand God's full and divine plan. And that was that death, that was that division, that was that suffering, that was those things that afflict every one of us, that almost every person in this room, in fact, I'm going to guarantee every person in this room in some measure is carrying in their body and or in their spirit the effects of division, of failed relationships, of bodily decline, those things that are marks of the fall of humanity. And in a world that says, let's just manage it and try to do the best, Jesus comes and says, no, God's plan is to break the power of sin, is to break the power of death, and to bring new life. And how did he do it? He did it on the cross. Because we read this story about how eventually the religious leaders conspired with the political leaders and Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was beaten. The crown of thorns was pressed into his head and he was hanged on the old rugged cross and he bled and died. And there in that moment, it seemed like death and disconnection would have the final world. They sealed him in the tomb, one more failed prophet revolutionary who dared to speak against the way things are. But three days later, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, three days later, Jesus said, but wait, there's more. Because death didn't get the answer. Because when it comes down to all those things that we think we cannot fix and we cannot destroy, which by the way, we cannot fix and cannot destroy, all those things, Jesus did it for us. Jesus walked out of that tomb and Paul tells us that though the perishable died, God raised Jesus imperishable. That though this body we have may be decaying, and by the way, that wasn't God's original plan, That's a result of the fall too. Even though cells dividing, which is healthy and normal, may become cells that divide rapidly and abnormally, and we call it cancer. All those things, God didn't want them to go off track. And so what God did is he said, I'm going to break that power, and I'm going to bring new life. That's what resurrection is. The power of sin is broken. And if the power of sin is broken, so is the power of death. And so guess what? So he says, if God is going to break the power of sin and death, then to him all people are alive. They said, well, Moses said, you know, there's no resurrection. Moses doesn't talk about heaven. Moses doesn't talk about this, you know, dying and raising to new life. In fact, Moses said that. They said, did you pay attention to Moses? You're not listening. You don't know the power of God or or the scriptures. He says, what? He says, did you notice? He said, at the burning bush? Sharon read that for us. Do you remember what God said? He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did not, God did not say, you know, when Abraham was alive, I was his God, but he's dead now. When Isaac was alive, I was his God too. You remember him? He's dead too. Jacob, I was his God too. No, he says, I am And Jesus says, well, if he is still their God, they're probably not gone. Mm -mm. You know, the early church, 
in that first uh, century of existence when the scriptures were written under divine guidance, they would write about those in their number who had died that they would say, many have fallen asleep. They are not gone. We always say to people, and I've always said, I'm sorry for your loss. But I want to say that for those who are Christians, you can only lose someone if you do not know where they are. And the good news of resurrection is we can know exactly where they are. Because Jesus is raised, so can we. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, as in Adam, all die. And short of Jesus' return, that's going to happen to every one of us. Might be today, it might be in 40 or 60 or 80 years. As in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. That's the promise and the hope of resurrection. That that power of sin, that power of death, that power of destruction, God has once for all dealt with it. And we will never die. Now we may fall asleep in this life. We may get sick in this life. We, we, may, lose, we may suffer pain in this life. But God says that is not the final answer. And so maybe you want to ask this question. How can I grab hold of this resurrection power? Jesus speaks to that. He says, well, in this age, people marry and are given in marriage. People only can build relationships with so many people. It's limited. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age, Jesus says, what they they be considered to be worthy? What does that look like? Scriptures give us a little bit of insight. What does it mean to be children of resurrection, children of God? The first thing I would say is go to John, the fourth gospel, chapter one, where, where, where uh, John says, but to those who believed in his name, God gave the right for them to be called children of God. And so the first thing we do to grab hold of resurrection is to believe in God and in Jesus Christ who he has sent is to have that full trust, not just to believe that God exists or there must be somebody up there and Jesus, well, I've heard of him and he seems like a reasonable guy, but to grab hold, to trust, and to say that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, that I am going to give up this life, give up directing my own life, which is leading from sin to death, to grab onto his life, which is new life and resurrection. And when you do that, when you reach out to trust in him, he will grab hold of you and you are able to experience resurrection in your life right now. One of the great blessings, one of the great reasons that I am a United Methodist and the reason that I suspect many of you or many of our ancestors in faith were united were Methodists and Wesleyans and that tradition is because we do not just teach well that you can believe in God and hope for the best when you die. We believe you can experience the presence and power of God in your life now. 
as Paul writes, that we can experience the witness of the Spirit speaking to our spirit, that we are children of God, and that your life, you can partake in some way of that renewal and that resurrection. It does not look like what we think resurrection would, but what it looks like is life transformation, is heart transformation, is divisions are healed, hearts are mended. What it looks like is people living more like Jesus talked about the children of God as being people who are generous, people who are joyful. That's how you know resurrection is taking place. When you look back and say, I'm not the same person I used to be. That's how you know that resurrection is beginning in you, that you are being transferred from the kingdom of sin and death to the kingdom of life and of holiness. It comes when we believe, when we give him, when we give Jesus our life. And so I hope you've given Jesus your life. Because if you have given him your heart and your life, that when this earthly life comes to an end and we fall asleep, the next step will be into his arms. I love that great hymn we sing on Easter Sunday. It opens every Methodist Easter Sunday. One church I went to when you didn't have it. That only happened once. You know the song, right? Christ the Lord is risen today. The great hymn of Charles Wesley. Do you hear that fourth verse? Soar we now where Christ has led. Alleluia. Following his exalted head. Alleluia. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross the grave, the skies. A few years ago, I was at a clergy event with young clergy, and we were talking about this idea of eternity and what it meant to go there. And a, one, of our more, one of our leading clergy who has been a mentor to me through the years, he said, you know, the way I think about it is if I can be present with God and I can know God's presence in my life and I can experience him in me every day as I live, well then when I die, I guess if he was present with me here, it'll all kind of work out when I go there. Because you see, when we receive that, we are more prepared. Our life is renewed. And if Jesus loved us and led us here, wouldn't he love us and lead us into eternity? Before I came here, I served two small churches in northern Kentucky that I think many of you know. Pastor Chris served 15 years earlier than that one of the connections we have in life. And in that church, I remember the first person who came to faith during our time together. And I've told you about her before and how God got in and made a difference in her life. Her own family hardly recognized the change in her life. What I didn't tell you is I went to her funeral a few months ago. She died from cancer in her 60s, far too young. But we talk, they, they witnessed to her faith that in those latter days, that faith that had changed, and sus- changed her, had made a difference in her life, was able to give her such peace and such comfort as she took that next step so that when she passed from this life to the next, she knew where she was going and she could have peace. And so there's a lot that we don't know about resurrection 
There's a lot that we can't fathom because we are stuck living in this age, in this box. But Jesus promises us that if we trust him and we lead him, he will carry us. He will make us ready in this life to carry us to the next. And together with him, he says, just wait. There's more. Let's pray.